African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Thank you for joining us for another installment of African Dialogue. Remember, you're listening to us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. Also, we are on uh, DSTV on the audio book here in Channel 802. Uh, my name is Benjamin Mashatam. I'll be with you until midday Central African Day. Well, in South Africa, there's a new mantra, not really new, but it's becoming very much uh, popularized right now by South Africa's ruling party, the ANC. Uh, The term is radical economic transformation. We're hearing it a lot more, especially to the build-up of the ANC's um, uh, real moment of definition later in the year, which is the elective conference later in December. And uh, the president uh, of uh, the ANC and of the country, Jacob Zuma, likened this uh, term, the radical economic Economic transformation to holy talk. Zuma was speaking in this past weekend at the University of Zululand in Tlangeswa, in the north of the province of KwaZulu Natal. Zuma defined this term as fundamental change in the structure, system, institutions patterns of ownership, management, and the control of the economy in favor of all South Africans, in particular the poor and the working class. But it's also very fluid because it's not the first time we hear this phrase. We actually heard it when there was a big campaigning of uh, the EFF, the Economic Freedom Fighters, when they started. They also utilized this term, the radical uh, economic transformation, as the way to propel their popularity. So it's a very common word, but Sounding like uh, it's becoming the new mantra of South Africa's politics overall. But to help us on the subject, we're joined by Alex Mashilo, who is a spokesperson of the SACP. And also we've got Professor Nuer Niftahuddin, who is the head of History Workshop School of Social Sciences at the University of Edwatersland. I want to ask, start the conversation with you, Alex, in terms of radical economic transformation. As the SACP... How do you define this term and is it linked to uh, the consensus of what the uh, ruling party is saying? Thank you very much for the opportunity. I must uh, start with the basics. Uh, In 1844, a social scientist by the name of Karl Marx developed the meaning of the political or economic or social term radical. He said that it meant grasping the root of the matter and therefore proceeding from the root if you want to solve a problem. In other words, if you want to solve a problem, you should not limit your focus to dealing with the symptoms, but rather you must dig the ground to get deeper to the of the problem 
if you want to achieve a sustainable way forward. That is certainly what we mean by radical. And uh, in terms of uh, radical economic transformation, going to the root means that we must be historical in our analysis at all material times. This means that we have got to understand the problems we are faced with and how these problems were created, were developed, and are daily being introduced. Mm. The problem we are faced with in South Africa particularly mm. is the problem of economic inequality. Mm. In its modern form, this economic inequality was introduced in South Africa by colonial means. It was enforced by means of apartheid and reproduced on a daily basis by means of capitalist exploitation and imperialist domination. Our people who had means of production were dispossessed without compensation, mm. by means of war, by means of violence, and by means of legislation. Once they no longer had any means of production of their own, they were then forced to look for employment from those who owned and controlled means of production in order that they could make a living. This is the basis of inequality. And unless we change that formula, there is no way we are going to achieve radical economic transformation. Mm. Well, let, let me bring in Professor Niftahwedin there into this conversation. Uh, we heard the Alex Mashido speaking about this term, this radical economic transformation from a communism perspective, looking at the roots of the word of what radical means, going back to uh, the, the philosophy of Marxism. Uh, Professor, but from one political party to another, this term seems to have a, a fluid kind of definition in South Africa contemporary politics. Your thoughts around uh, the this term and what it actually uh, translates to us ordinary people on the ground? Uh, uh, Benjamin, thank you very much. I should say that I wasn't able to hear uh, very clearly what Alex was saying. Was saying uh, so I, only, I only picked up one or two key issues. Sure. Um, we'll we'll, we'll uh, try to sort out that I line. Thank you so much. Sure. That's fine. That's fine. I hope I don't uh, misinterpret uh, in my in my references to him. Sure. Um, I, I think that the for me the place to start is perhaps uh, in one of your last comments, and that is um, how does this debate around radical economic transformation affect uh, the position, the standing, the conditions of ordinary people in South Africa? Um, and I think that um, when one uh, asks what is the essence of the ideas around radical economic transformation, uh, the answers must lie in how we're able to fundamentally transform uh, the conditions of ordinary people, and in particular, uh, of ordinary poor black women in urban and rural areas. Mm, mm. The second point I want to make is that I I think that we need to uh, try, in a context which you've described as very fluid, uh, try and separate rhetoric from substantive discussions, mm. because it is my sense that a lot of what is happening at the moment is a, a rhetorical posturing. Uh, so what one has within the ANC and the alliance more broadly is that uh, people are claiming and factions are proclaiming to support radical economic transformation. And um, essentially, uh, uh, 
all of the factions that are uh, that are pitted against one another in the ANC are claiming this rhetoric. But when one looks at the kind of objective policies that they're not only proposing now, but which they have implemented over the last uh, 25 years, mm. or, or 23 years, mm. then I think that one has to place a very big question mark around the commitment to real radical economic transformation. In the way I think Alex is suggesting, mm. one needs to define what radical means. Okay? Sure, sure. And, and, the reality, and, and, and the reality is that, uh, you know, what, what, what one is seeing is kind of uh, a factional posturing in the ANC, where the one faction is trying to out-radicalize rhetorically the other faction. But the policies are not really fundamentally different. In fact, in, in the ANC, what one has is a broad commitment to the policies that have evolved since 1996. And those policies are essentially mm. policies framed within a neoliberal framework. And therefore, notwithstanding, if one takes, for example, if I take one example, the question of land, mm, mm. The, uh, the, the Zuma faction and the acolytes, right, mm, in the mm. uh, Black First, Land First, uh, argue that, you know, we must redistribute land. Now, mm. Of course, we need to redistribute land. But when one looks at what the Zuma regime has done over the, uh, you know, during his presidency, if they have, in fact, sought to empower and actually empower chiefs mm. in the rural areas and increasingly also in the urban areas. Mm. What that means, in fact, is a disempowering of ordinary people, people yeah. and particularly women who fall under the rule of chieftaincy. So when one connects those two dots about land redistribution, land redistribution and the Zuma regime's commitment to uh, re-empowering the chiefs, then you have to conclude that in fact what they're proposing around, re- around land redistribution is not in fact radical, even if it, if it appears rhetorically to be mm-hmm. radical. Because what it will mean, in fact, is that the chiefs will be empowered, they will have control over the land, and that will be an important power base for this elite around Jacob Zuma, which in fact is a kleptocracy mm. uh, that is based on quite conservative policies rather than radical policies. And one can take other examples. I'm focusing on the question of land, because land is so fundamentally important mm. in ideas around radical uh, uh, economic transformation. Mm. Well, uh, that's the voice of Professor Noor Nifta Hoerden there, who's uh, joining us on the line, and uh, they're looking at how does this actually translate this phrase, radical economic transformation, into the reality of ordinary people. I'm going to uh, take a quick break, just one break, and then I'm going to come back. I think we're joined by Lebohang Peko as well as the Executive Director of uh, the uh, NGO and Think Tank, the Trade Collective, will be speaking to her just to get her definitions, and then we'll continue the discussion. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective.
Yes, you're listening to Channel Africa, uh, The African Perspective, and my name is Benjamin Mushatama. Remember, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Uh, joining us on our show today to discuss this very much, uh, maybe we ordinary people are trying to understand, we're trying to figure what it is, because on the ground we're not kind of feeling what it is. This term radical economic uh, transformation, something that's been used more often in the life of our politics, especially here in South Africa. We started the program with Alex Mashilo, who is the spokesperson of the SACP, giving us his communist definition of what radical economic transformation. And Professor Noer Nifta-Huerden was talking really there about some of the loopholes in these phrases sometimes become rhetoric, and there's a, a gap between what people are saying in, in on the podium and to what's happening on the ground. Let's hear from uh, Lebohang Perko, who is the executive director of a trade collective. Lebohang, I know we've got limited time with you, but just mm-hmm. your thoughts on this term radical economic transformation. What does it mean to you when you hear it and how, what is your thought of how it's being utilized in the political space currently? Yeah, I think it's become a deeply politicized term and I think that we haven't been able to deconstruct it in, in its entirety. I think what's quite important for us to understand is that radical it doesn't necessarily mean a shift to the left. And we've, it's understanding that the popular discourses have promoted. Radical just means a, 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 a deep movement, a sudden or deep movement. Mm. And that can be either direction. It can be to the left or to the right. Mm. So structural adjustment is a form of radical Austerity is a form of radical economic mm-hmm. transformation, but I think in the South African context, of course, our default is a left-leaning, um, that we would prefer a left-leaning, people-centered, um, community-based, based mm-hmm. um, transformation where we're speaking about re- you know, redistribution, we're speaking about the levels of power, of economic power being in the hands of the African majority, but we also have to remember that this is a systemic and a structural issue. So it's not just about a few, it's not only about the complexion of the economy as it were in the hands of African people. It's also about the way that we do things. We have to ensure that our, our the way that we do economics and the way that we mm-hmm. integrate into global economics takes cognizance of the environment, of the ecology, it takes cognizance of manufacturing, it takes cognizance of information technology, it takes cognizance of, of things such as labor rights, human rights, workers' rights. And, 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 and we have to appreciate that even though we as a country may feel that we are, you know, we, we want to move in that direction, and I think it's the direction that we, we move in, um, we should also appreciate that in a global economy and a globalized market-led economy, our method, we will have to be much more nuanced and much firmer about what we mean by radical. I'll also understand that if, we, if we're talking about a left-leaning way of doing things that people-centered, it will meet with international opposition. So mm-hmm. experiments such as the Venezuelan experiment, mm-hmm. um, Hugo Chavez, the Castro experiment in Cuba, etc., mm-hmm. have led to international ostracization and particularly um, U.S. ostracization. And mm-hmm. these are things that, whilst we are, uh, we are sloganeering, we have to understand that there are potential economic costs, financial costs, and political costs to that posture. I am in no means opposed to us paying those costs because that is my own personal disposition. I do think we need, we need a more inclusive, people-centered way mm. of doing economics and, 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 and redistributing the benefits of the economy to the poorest of the poor. But I also have to say that I think, I think we have to be very... 
I want to ask you this question because this is where the confusion comes from most um, uh, South Africans, Lebohang, is the fact that uh, why now? Since 1994, wasn't this the, mm. uh, the kind of uh, mantra we were supposed to be imposing back uh, then with the Mandela's yeah. of our time? Why is it now that we're right. speaking such radical mantras when we were supposed to start right. in this fashion? This is a, that's an excellent question, and I think that the, the, the answer is quite simple, is that remember that we are inheriting a, 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 a negotiated <laughs> settlement. Mm. Um, there was a lot, a lot of the, one of the, 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 the negotiated points of negotiation was, of course, that the economy shouldn't be touched, um, and that in return for a political settlement, we should, we should trade that off for, 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 for the protection of capital interests, most of them international capital interests. And yes, it has to be said, most of them white international capital interests. Um, and I think that, you know, we, when, once, we get the, to our, once we get our heads around the fact that the formation of this country was a series of negotiations, some of them very problematic, we'll begin to see why then it seems that after 23 years, the state, the government is suddenly choosing to take a track that they should have taken 22 years ago. Remember that there were attempts with the RDP, which was exactly about that, redistribution. It was not a perfect document by any means, but at least the sentiments were, 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 were about redistribution, mm-hmm. and they seemed to have a more socialist intent in a way. Then we shifted, remember, to gear, um, and, and which, which, was, which, was the, which was, of course, uh, one of the contradictions, because it was drafted by World Bank economists somewhere in Canada, and then it, it landed on us in a, in a way that that has been mm-hmm. quite typical. Mm-hmm. That they land on us from somewhere or other. The IMF even later um, admitted and apologized for for, for 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 pushing gear down our throats, or you know, and and, and calling it excessively prescriptive, excessively prescriptive. Um, and then we move into Azgisa, we move into the industrial policy, um, you know, IPAP 1 and IPAP 2. Mm. We then move into, you know, the new growth, etc., etc. Mm. But the, what they, most of them have in common um, is, is, uh, is, is that they all have a fairly market, a, a market orientation. Most of them are very, are right leaning. Mm. Mm. Um, some would call call them uh, that the book, some would call them pragmatic economics, mm. but certainly all of them about trickling down, mm. trickling down, and trickle down theory has not worked. Mm. Um, trickle down of benefits has not worked because what happens is that those benefits have been concentrated along the way, um, along their, their their vertical trajectory. They've been they've been hampered by systems, they've been hampered by state-owned enterprises, they've mm. been hampered by the lack of Lack of support for small-scale entrepreneurs, lack of payment, lack of disbursement of timely payments. Um, so the government procurement, which is supposed to also help to create um, layers of entrepreneurship, mm. uh, supported instruments such as the IDC, the NEF, the Land Bank, have also proved that they are good in intent, but their actual implementation is not entirely as it should be. Mm. Um, we, we not, you know, the NES is supposed to be creating millions of millionaires. Mm. And I think that, you know, it would be hard put to find um, even 10 or 20 of these millions of millionaires. Mm. And, you know, I think that it's not a case of, so which illustrates that having a, a body there, which is in, 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 in of itself dealing with structural issues mm. is not effective. Mm. Creating a, a, a cabal of a few black millionaires has not per se 
dealt with the, the redistribution of power, of influence, of voice, mm. of money, and of benefits of wealth. It's just recreated black monopoly per capital in the place <laughs> of wealth. Sure, sure. Sure, how useful that that is. Mm, mm. Well, thank you so much, Debohang, for giving us your sentiments. I know you have to rush back into a conference where you are speaking at. Thank you for giving us your your sentiments. That's Debohang Peko who is giving us her insights. She is the NGO and think tank from uh, Trade Collective. I want to come back to you, Alex. Very interesting views coming there uh, from Debohang Peko, really speaking about the fact that even if we want to go a little bit left, we know that some left ear. Uh, policies can be ostracized by the markets. She gave examples of what happened in Cuba, in Venezuela as well. How do we create a balance between that? I know it's a big conversation, especially with the downgrade in uh, uh, South Africa and also uh, the new appointment of the new finance minister trying to uh, convince uh, other agencies not to downgrade uh, uh, South Africa. That issue of the balance of capital and uh, inclusive markets has been a very difficult balance uh, in this current conversation. Uh, it, <coughs> I did not hear some of the points she articulated, but sure. I did uh, uh, have a, a grasp of sure. uh, some few of those points. Mm. And thanks for further uh, clarifying some of those points mm. for me. Mm. It will not be helpful to think that by radical economic transformation we are not speaking about a process of struggle. Mm. For us to have achieved the democratic breakthrough in 1994 was as a result of decades of struggle dating back to the formation of the ANC in 1912, augmented by the formation of the Communist Party in 1922. One, But prior to that, our people were involved in wars resisting colonization and were defeated one by one until 1910. When we talk about radical economic transformation, we are simply talking about the continuation of the struggle that achieved a democratic breakthrough in 1994. We are not talking about something that we think must take place in a vacuum where there are forces not opposed to what we want. The economy of South Africa before 1994 was dominated by domestic uh, domestic white ownership plus imperial ownership by capital from Britain, North America, West Germany, Japan, France, and a number of other powerful colonial economies of Europe. Those economies were on the side of apartheid, many of them, to the extent that the United States of America actually listed our struggle as a terrorist in India. But that's why people like Nelson Mandela were listed as terrorists, even long after they were democratically elected mm. as president. Mm. Now, to think that all that is over will be uh, to commit a travesty of justice. Radical economic transformation is a continuation of that struggle. But how we carry it out must take cognizance of prevailing objective realities, such as the fact that capital is still concentrated in the hands of a few individuals, Mm. both in and outside of South Africa. I mean, there are certain sectors of the South African economy, if one were to give an example, Mm. with a sector that I'm conducting my research on, Mm that are wholly foreign-owned. There is no local ownership in mm-hmm. those sectors mm-hmm. of the economy. Mm-hmm. This displaces the myth of white monopoly capital. 
because the SACP and even the ANC in its 1969 strategy and tactics was very clear Mm. that there is imperialist domination in the economy of our country and imperialist forces had a major stake in the economy of this country. In the automotive sector, for example, that sector, the assembly sector, is wholly foreign-owned. The companies that are manufacturing in that sector, all of them are foreign. Two are Japanese, two are American, three are Germans. So the question that radical economic transformation must answer is how do we develop national production and national ownership in strategic sectors such as that one? And that cannot be a question simply of standing up on the rooftop of a house and proclaiming you know, a declaration to dispossess other people. That will be very reckless. That there are so many things that we need to do, mm-hmm. including strengthening our education. That means artisans, technicians, engineers, and scientists, so that we can build our own capacity, including research and development, so that we can also have a made in South Africa car that is owned here locally. So there are different methods of getting, mm. uh, uh, of achieving the objectives or, or the, the the goal of radical economic transformation, which simply means uh, economic emancipation. That's what it means. Okay. As the, things stand right now, mm. uh, over eight million of South Africans are in, unemployed, and the reason why they are unemployed is because productive work is privatized. It is the private property of a few who own the means of production. And for you to find work, it must be because your capacity uh, for work will produce capital for private accumulation by those who own the means of production. But at the same time, we must develop and expand state ownership. This thing is a struggle. It is not an academic exercise. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to bring in uh, Professor uh, Nifta Khwedin because uh, it, it's not easy to actually... Uh, look at a system that we've been using in the last 20 years, a system that we've actually entrenched in our new democracy and o- almost want to overhaul this uh, a capitalistic system that we have been using, this market-centered system, as was highlighted uh, by both uh, uh, Alex and also Lebohang earlier on. And we want this overhaul and this shift. But where do we start? Because uh, there's a long way to go because where I see it, I, th- I see it from a structural uh, way in what what curriculums we teach in our schools and also just also the entrepreneurship culture in South Africa has to change. And the issue that you highlighted, which is also pro- uh, problematic, Professor, was the land question, which you highlighted sometimes is being dealt with in a superficial level whereby chiefs are the ones that are given ownership and control of that land and they make decision of who actually can buy land in certain properties in the rural areas. There seems to be uh, that already we are already getting things wrong even in this new dispensation we haven't been getting it right especially with our uh, different uh, systems from the RDP system to the gear system it seems that our market <laughs> systems have failed and all of a sudden we're waking up from this uh, a dream that we've been having for the last 20 years and I come back to the question why now um, so I, I think that's uh, as Alex has said as well I think that and, and, and Lebohan, that's a critical question why now okay um, and I think that uh, in trying to answer that, one needs to uh, obviously understand mm. what is happening in the ANC, what's happening in the Alliance, mm. which is in part a consequence of different factions of capital um, struggling to 
assert their dominance in the context of global economic crisis. That's, that's, that's the question. The second thing which I think one needs to do, and uh, you know, the conversation that you're having and we're having across the country, in my mind, presents us with an opportunity to kind of critically assess uh, where we are, where we've come from, not only in post-1990, and I say post-1990 because the essential elements of the economic system of the post-94 period were negotiated prior to 1994. Of course, we've got to go back, as Alex has done, also to the process of colonization, imperialism, uh, and the disposition of African people in that period and also throughout the 20th century. And so, so it presents, I think, us with an opportunity in the same way that the Peace Must Fall movement kind of place the question of decolonization very firmly on the agenda and critique from a particular perspective the uh, dispensation of the post-94. So I, I think we're in a very exciting moment, but also a very dangerous moment, because as Lebohan has said, radical can mean either a shift to the left or it can mean a shift to the right. In my view, that, uh, what has happened within the ANC is a struggle between different factions, uh, that, uh, both of which will mean a shift to the right. Another point which I think we need to make in terms of kind of thinking through what it is we are dealing with is I think that we've got to be quite clear that part of the problem that we have now is if one looks at the kind of article that Chris Malakani wrote and others mm-hmm. have, uh, have said, that, 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 that part of, uh, maybe a big part of the problem that we have is that the project of national democratic revolution, the essence of which, despite what the Communist Party says in mm. terms of its own rhetoric, is that the, the national democratic revolution project of the first phase of the national Demo- democratic revolution has essentially been about cultivating a black elite. Mm. What that project has done is that it has, in fact, built on the inequities of the system that preceded it. Mm. So we still have, and we have deepening inequality. That Mm. is a product of the policies of the post-94 period. It Mm. builds on and augments what existed before. The problems of disposition of land, of, uh, of, of people's dignity, those things have only been marginally addressed through kind of the constitutional framework but objectively, in terms of people's real lives, mm. things have largely become worse. So I think that we mm. need to conclude, in my view, that that project of the National Democratic Revolution has been a failure. If one, as I said in my earlier intervention, if one takes one's specific perspective from the vantage point of the most marginalized people in this country, the question that we've had successively is that the alliance, including the Communist Party and increasingly also Kosato, have constantly told us we're in the next phase of a kind of a radical transformation, a working class uh, bias <clears throat> policy. <clears throat> and we have been in this mode for the last 23 years. Sure. And what I see happening is that we're seeing a repeat of this mode where we kind of use a new label to suggest that what will happen is a radical change. Hmm. And as Lebohang has said, you know, we had the RDP, we had gear, we had, we had the Skisa, et cetera, et cetera. And each time we are told we're deepening the revolution, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. in this next phase, these new policies will, mm-hmm. will be implemented. And therefore what is required, I mean, I'm focusing on the Communist Party because of its, of its influence and mm-hmm. it has been mm-hmm. a, an important player in the political scene, but one can sure. make the argument of other 
uh, political parties on the list as well. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm also making the point because it, it, uh, you know Alex can then mm-hmm. uh, can, can respond can to it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So 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 to, to conclude, I think that what what this moment allows us to do is, in fact, as Alex has done right at the beginning, is to say, what do we all mean by radical? And um, does radical mean that um, we place the state at the center of what needs to be implemented? And I think that is part of the problem, okay? Mm. Because we, we're suggesting that this state, dominated by the ANC and the Alliance, is capable ideologically mm. and in terms of its actual policies mm. to implement radical uh, economic change. I would suggest to you that's not the case, because it is premised on the idea that this ANC which has become, which has come under the control of a kleptocracy, but it also has been since the, uh, since the 1990s under the control of people who largely align themselves to, to, a, neoliberal, uh, to a neoliberal framework. Mm. This ANC is incapable of renewal and therefore to suggest that it uh, should lead a radical economic transformation I think is highly problematic. Mm. Alex, your, your thoughts on, on what uh, Professor is highlighting there, especially the points of uh, uh, the communist revolution since 1994 in the democratic revolution cultivating that black elite. Your response to uh, that critical aspect? Uh, there will be no, you know, one size fits all if one assesses the 1994 democratic breakthrough and the progress and setbacks that were uh, 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 suffered since that time. I mean, there were millions of South African people who did not have housing, who did not have access to water, who did not have access to electricity, who were denied access in higher education institutions, who did not have access to colleges, and gained those accesses after 1994. That must not be undermined, and there is nothing elitist about that. On the other hand, what happened in terms of economic policy, which is where the professor is right, is that a black elite was consolidated on the basis of the narrow BEE project, while the masses of the poor faced a neoliberal restructuring at work in the form of labor brokering, in the form of casualization, in the form of perpetual temporary employment relationships, and so on. Now, you cannot use one line to define what happened since 1994. In fact, this is the reason why uh, this struggle to achieve, this struggle to push the National Democratic Revolution onto a second radical phase started in 1996 when the government undemocratically adopted a policy called GEAR, Growth, Employment and Redistribution. Mm. I think that the professor will not be fair to speak as if there was no struggle taking place even against that policy Mm. by lumping the SACP and even COSATU as part of the project that was imposing and enforcing that policy while the truth of the matter is that the SACP was the vanguard force in opposition to that policy. And as a result of that, there were shifts. The mere fact that the ANC in 2012 agreed to the perspective of the second radical phase of our democratic transition with radical economic transformation as one of its defining goals, right, uh, indicate an outcome of that struggle which was taking place 
in the alliance and outside of the alliance through working class struggles on the streets, in the streets, led by the SACP and Kosatu. Now, uh, uh, the Prof mentioned an important point about decolonization. Let us go back to what colonialism did in South Africa. It imposed the capitalist mode of production. What does this mean if you go to the root? It means that if you go to the root and you want to achieve radical economic transformation, there is no way you will decolonize South Africa unless you uproot the capitalist mode of production because that is the epicenter of the colonial project. Before colonization, there was no capitalist production in South Africa, and therefore there were no capitalist production relations such as capitalist class-based inequalities, unemployment and poverty, the production of wealth by the masses of the workers, but its appropriation by a few capitalists. Well, uh, hey, it's a very interesting view. And I, I want to bring that back to you, Professor, that uh, uh, views that are brought by Alex, the fact that uh, they were not champions of gear. We know that uh, they were very much uh, an incorporate part of the RDP uh, process. But we know that they, the, the alliance, we saw those contradictions when gear actually came into play in 1996. Your, your reflections on, on his response. Uh, so, kind of two comments. The first is obviously uh, both the Communist Party and, in fact, Kosatu. Uh, in fact, Kosatu first objected to to gear when it was being uh, uh, foisted on the alliance. There's, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but I think that one needs to go beyond that and ask a number of questions. So, for example, um, we are in the crisis that we are in at the moment because it was the Communist Party which uh, was in the forefront of supporting the elevation of Jacob Zuma uh, to the leadership of the ANC and also the leadership of the country. Jacob Zuma and the people around him never proclaimed uh, to be against Kia, to be against neoliberalism, mm. and to be against capitalism. And therefore, what one has in just making that example is one has the, on the one hand, you know, I, I have to say, I think that by and large, the Communist Party within the alliance, within the kind of contradictions that define the alliance, has often been schizophrenic. Because on the one hand, it kind of says that they object to gear. On the other hand, it played a, a prominent role, if not the most important role, in elevating a, a, a kleptomaniac, someone who supports mm. uh, neoliberalism, to the presidency of the country. Mm. Now, how do you reconcile those contradictions? Mm. Okay? And, uh, and, and what we have today is a consequence uh, of, the, of the kind of project of 2007, right? Um, that led to the elevation of Jacob Zuma. Mm. Mm, yeah. So I think that, you know, and, and, and one can use other examples. Mm. So for example, right? The, um, and, and, and by the way, um, neither myself or other people who maybe hold this view, who deny that since 1994 we've made important advances. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Okay? And I think so I would agree with, with, with Alex's assessment that we need to have a kind of balanced view about what we've achieved as a mm. country, which was a consequence of the struggle of people, uh, you know, not only since 1912, and the struggle of the people cannot be reduced mm. either to the ANC or to the Communist Party. The struggles have, have taken place 
in many, many other kind of spheres, mm. sometimes against the ANC's policies, and even, and even, for example, in the 1930s, against the Communist Party's mm. policies uh, that were in fact highly problematic. We can, you know, we, we can have that debate. Okay? Mm. Mm. So that's that's. Uh, so what so one 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 needs to kind of recognise that it's more it's more complex. But we also have, and, and uh, again, I'm, I know I'm focusing on the Communist Party because I think the Communist Party uh, is, is an important player. And what mm. the Communist Party says matters. Professor. In the alliance, it particularly matters, yeah, I'm going to end off sure. now, particularly matters in Kosato. So it's important for the Communist Party also to kind of critically reflect on the role that it played in facilitating, mm. notwithstanding its kind of uh, objections to gear, but the role it has played in facilitating uh, the status quo that we have today, which has led to all sorts of problems. Well, Alex, let me give you the last 30 seconds. I've ran out of time. Even my uh, business uh, newsreader is already in studio. Just your last 30 seconds as, as we wrap up this conversation. There is no doubt that uh, the struggle involves continuous assessment of the position you adopt at each moment. The aim being to become much better at every new moment. That we will, of course, have to do. But we cannot uh, allow the fact that we have been fighting against neoliberal policies as epitomized in gear uh, to be simply watered down by the setbacks that we experienced during the period. Mm -hmm. Just to go back and redirect the focus, because Mm -hmm. I think we can debate the Communist Mm -hmm. Party on Mm -hmm. another Mm -hmm. day, Mm -hmm. just to redirect the focus of the Mm -hmm. debate on radical economic transformation. Radical economic transformation aims to achieve economic emancipation. By economic emancipation as the SACP, we mean an end to the system of the exploitation of one person or class or our nation by another. Well, that thank, is very sure, important. Sure. Thank you so much, Alex, for giving us your time. That's the voice of Alex Mashilo, spokesperson of the South African Communist Party. Thank you as well to Professor Noor Niftahwerden, who is joining us uh, uh, from the University of Witwatersrand. He's the head of History Workshop School of Social Sciences. Thank you both uh, for giving us your time. Pleasure. Thank you. Well, uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us on our program. We'll podcast the conversation today. Very complex. Maybe we should do a series on this thing because I think we've got just one aspect of uh, this idea of radical economic transformation and and what it means. Maybe we should get uh, economists in the studio to discuss it amongst themselves and get politicians to get in here and discuss it amongst themselves, what it actually means practically for ordinary people. Civil society should also maybe engage on this definition radical economic transformation such a word that is very tickling you know it tickles you inside you kind of have these great affirmations but when you look down and you see what's happening in your society your community you don't really see uh, that term actually unfolding before you so a lot of critical aspects to be looking at this definition for but let's wrap up the program remember we come to you every monday to thursday 1100 hours central african time remember sms us on our plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero Tell us what you think of our program. If you have any thoughts about our program, you can give us your thoughts there. And you can also do that via our email. Our email address is info at channelafrica.org. That's how we wrap up the show. African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. 
this is a very significant historical election. This crisis is still damaging, especially Finnish and European economies very hardly, and that's an important reason to get more and more co- cooperation. And uh, what we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of uh, Tiwonge and uh, Stephen, and also we see Malawi violating its international commitments. Well, the position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting for marine species in particular. African Dialogue, a talk show where we cover anything and everything.